Welcome to podcast number 19 for Thanks for Your Service. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net. You can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. Robin Florence recently wrote about the Shoalhaven women heroines of World War I. Alan Clark, a local historian, helped Robin edit the book. Joining us on the line from Nowra in New South Wales is Alan Clark. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Alan, we're going to have a chat today about a book called Shoalhaven Women Heroines of World War I, which was written by Robin Florence, and I understand that you had a large part in the book as well. Can you first tell us, for those people who don't know where the Shoalhaven is? Yeah, we're a couple of hours south of Sydney and uh, go down past Wollongong, and then you meet the Shoalhaven, which extends from, from Berry down to Ulladulla, and uh, now is sort of in the middle of it. And Robin couldn't join us today uh, due to a recent illness, but what was your part uh, in the book? Yeah, I usually proofread all of her, uh, her publications and uh, I just, uh, uh, we've both been working on lots of publications over the years and uh, we bounce things off each other and uh, we're able to, to provide an insight where the other one might, might miss out a bit, so things. So we, we collaborate a lot. And the book, of course, is called Shoalhaven, Women Heroines of World War One. What can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yes, well, Robin, she writes about the local nurses who went to war, but she also looks at the various organisations that were active throughout that conflict, spearheaded by a group of willing and enthusiastic women. They included various Red Cross branches, the, the Red Cross Convalescent Home for Returned Soldiers, that functioned in the old Bombardier Hotel building for a couple of years after the end of the war. And after the war was over... Uh, these same women stepped up to take a lead in handling the pneumonic influenza epidemic that affected most communities in 1919. And what was the inspiration for writing the book? Uh, I think in the lots of research that Robin had done over World War I soldiers, well, she always noticed that there were women usually in the background, uh, doing important things, helping towards the war effort, really. And and in the book, there are a focus on a number of women from the Shoalhaven. I think there were 22 women that, that you covered uh, in the book, people like Kitty Porter, who was born in 1882. Can you go through and just tell us a little bit about some of the women uh, that you profiled in the book? Yes, well, Kitty was one of those... Uh, as you said, was born at Milton. She trained as a nurse in Sydney and she enlisted on the 20th of March 1915 and served on board the hospital ship Gascon throughout the Gallipoli campaign. And uh, after the war was over, she was given a hero's welcome when she returned to her hometown in June 1919. But sadly, during the following months, she became a victim of the influenza epidemic. Uh, another woman in the same category, really, is Sarah Demester. She was a member of a well-known family. Uh, just as a sidelight, her uncle was Etienne Demester, who trained Archer and several other Melbourne Cup winners in, in the 19th century. 
and he was the leading uh, uh, trainer of cup winners for, for, until Bart Cummings came along 100 years later. But uh, getting back to Sarah, uh, she left Shoalhaven to train as a nurse in 1901 and she was actually a matron at Armadale when she enlisted on the day after Anzac Day of 1915. She'd left Australia three weeks later and was one of the earliest nurses to work at Lemnos where the Gallipoli casualties received treatment. Uh, Sarah devoted her life to the nursing profession and lived to the great age of 84. But uh, many of the people uh, profiled in the book became leaders in their local Red Cross branches. They were all formed uh, during World War I and there was no lacking in enthusiasm. And One of them was Millie Coltart. She married Jock Mackay in July 1915. Four months later, he went overseas and he would become a prisoner of war. Millie had two brothers also serving overseas and she became secretary when the number Red Cross was formed and she also supported the convalescent home. Well, one of the things that strikes me about some of these women is that not only of the service that they performed during the war, but a lot of them had multiple brothers who served overseas. As you said, Millie uh, had two brothers who were serving overseas. Pearl Lamond had three brothers serving overseas, and that seems to be a trend within the profiles that you've looked at as well. Yes, yes, they they were certainly linked up like that. And Pearl... uh, when, she, when her brothers went away, well, well, she started milking the cows on the farm and doing whatever job, other jobs had to be done. And uh, she, uh, she married one of the Coltart brothers. And uh, actually, there's a reunion being held on June the 1st at Nara uh, with the Coltarts and, and uh, Millie, who became a Mackay. Their descendants are all gathering to celebrate a uh, 100 years since the... Uh, a group of men returned home and uh, all safe and sound, thankfully, even though uh, Jock had been a prisoner of war. And, and how did you and Robin research the profiles of a lot of the women that are in the book? Yeah, well, our local newspapers uh, uh, were, uh, were always very diligent in reporting on the soldiers and all the, the organisations as well, so... It's not difficult to, to pick up on them in the uh, the reports of the meetings and all the activities, and there are often lists of, of people who who were involved in fundraisers and all that sort of thing. Did you also find that a lot of these families are they still living relatives in the Shoalhaven area? Uh, some of them are, but others have moved on. Uh, one one that that is still around. Uh, uh, Mrs. Rodway, she was the uh, wife of a local doctor in her early 30s and, and when the Narrow Red Cross was formed, well, uh, she, she became uh, president and her name would be synonymous with the branch until her death about 60 years later. Uh, she, she was the first president and uh, uh, she, she received no OBE for her, her work in that area and uh, some of her descendants are still living locally, but uh, the ones moving on, perhaps I'll mention Bella McKenzie. Uh, she was well known in the district through her husband Hugh, 
who was uh, the mayor and the president of the show and lots of other things. And uh, after marrying as a teenager, Bella gave birth to 11 children over 24 years. So there wasn't a lot of time for public life there. Mm. But uh, after her son Norman was killed in action in 1916, her husband's health deteriorated and he died the following year. And Bella, she was just a tiny little lady. She just stepped up to, to lead the committee of the convalescent home, supported by her children, some of whom provided financial assistance. And she was an amazing little woman and uh, who just sort of stepped out of the, uh, the shadow of a, of a husband after he went. And, and how did you select the women to be included in the book? Yeah, I, th- I think Robin wanted to uh, to to cover as many villages around the narrow district as she could, which she's, she'd been pretty successful with, and just just those who uh, were particularly prominent and uh, uh, took leading roles in the organisations. And in terms of the women that, that you researched, some of them had uh, come from overseas and settled in the district. Some had been in the district for some time. In, in, in terms of the of the background of the women themselves, were, were had many been in the Shoalhaven area for a while? Uh, some of the, some of them had been. Some of those that I've already mentioned had been for a while, but but others sort of had, had come fairly recently, like the the wives of the a couple of clergymen who Robin has profiled. Uh, there. Their husbands were obviously itinerant workers who were posted here and then they moved off again. And uh, one of them was Mary Jamison Williams. And uh, she had a couple of years president of the Red Cross. And she was also president of the War Workers League. And uh, uh, supporting her husband, she was a lay preacher, which was unusual for a woman in the era. And she was also an outspoken advocate of temperance and uh, she, she uh, had a lot to say about that on a statewide basis, really. And when she was uh, left the district, well, uh, she was the Presbyterian minister's wife and her successor in the Red Cross was Gertrude Roberts and her husband was a Methodist minister. And Gertrude's term uh, coincided with the influenza epidemic and... Uh, from the parsonage, while well, she organised the preparation of food for the patients and nursing staff uh, for the uh, temporary hospital that was set up in the local school here. And it, it was just a, a couple of blocks away, and she had a team of women who came into the parsonage every day to, to prepare food, which they, they then transported off to the, uh, to the hospital. And she sort of devoted her... <laughs> Uh, the the months that that epidemic went for, the, she devoted her whole time to it. Not only did a lot of these women have brothers serving in the war, but people like Harriet Lumsden, her eldest son Glenn, was killed in action in France in August 1916. Fanny Haynes had three of her sons enlisted. Elizabeth Copeland had two sons enlisted. Yes, they did, yes. And, but, but they... Uh... I guess it was good therapy for them to, to be just supporting everything that, that came before them and uh, uh, they were, would get out amongst the other women and, and be working working towards these causes and uh, uh, it, it probably took the, 
their minds off the, the danger that uh, their sons might be facing. And where can people actually get a copy or buy a copy of the book? It's probably best to, to go through Shoalhaven Historical Society. Uh, we, we have a website and uh, uh, a, a way to, to email there. Uh, that's probably the best advice I can give. That's the podcast for today. We're keen to hear your feedback. Leave a comment on our Facebook page, and if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave a review. Finally, if you're interested in sponsorship or support of this podcast, head to our website or email us. You can also support us via Patreon. The link is www.patreon.com. Thanks for your service. The version of the last post is courtesy of Rachel Bostock. You can find links to her music on our website and Facebook page. Thanks for listening.